If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up into the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. Oh, we got a lot to talk about, as we always do. Today we are jam-packed. The Colts have neared the halfway point of the NFL regular season. I'm Matt Taylor. This is the official Colts podcast with J.J. Stangovitz and Lara Overton. It's brought to you every week, brought to you every Tuesday by WinBet. Guys, it's been crazy around the Colts here lately. We got uh, quarterback changes last week. Colts lose a heartbreaker. The AFC South is looking tougher and tougher to win. Uh, the Colts have made changes to the coaching staff today, and they've also traded one of their best players on offense. Man, we got a lot to get into. Lara, have you caught your breath yet? No, you doing no. All right? Like this is November one, and I feel like we've lived a whole season in eight weeks already, uh, right? It's like, like four seasons, actually. Exactly, and not not That's like the, the resort, not the resort, the four seasons either. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're talking tw- twelve months a year. This is not a vacation. I think once you've seen changes that have been made personnel wise, I'm talking in terms of players, situational, you know, offensive line, different guys in and out of the defensive lineup. Obviously, changes in special teams as well due to injury. Now you're seeing that impacting, of course, the quarterback situation, as you mentioned, and it's impacting the coaching staff. Now what you want to see is some sort of response. You want to see some sort of fight, resilience from this team, a bit of accountability. And that accountability should not have to come from Frank Reich. When you have seven pro bowlers last year, you have all the captains that you do, you boast about character and the guys that you have, now's the time to prove it. No doubt. I, I, there's a lot there. There's no question about it. I agree with all of that. That's Lair Overton, J.J. Stankovitz here. Let's let's get right after it again. Marcus Brady today, mm-hmm. uh, it was announced that uh, the Colts have relieved him of his duties as offensive coordinator. Uh, he was in only year number two as O.C. with the Colts. He took over after Nick Sirianni uh, left to become the Eagles head coach starting in the 2021 season. Before that, J.J., as we all know, he was the team's quarterbacks coach in 19 and 20. Uh, for those that don't know, in 18, he acted as the team's assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to unpack here, J.J., with the, the sluggishness on offense. Let's just start first with, with face value. What did you make of this move? Kind of surprising today. I, I personally was not expecting to see that. Yeah, you know, Frank Reich said in his statement, this was an incredibly hard decision, but one I felt needed to be made in the best interest of the team. Um the one thing I th- this was not was the Colts scapegoating Marcus Brady for their offensive struggles. Like, do you think do, do people think Marcus Brady was just out there with a clipboard doing nothing well, and just I having a cool title? Here's like, I want to jump in. Here's what we need to clarify because everyone is saying, "Well, how does this change anything?" Frank Reich calls the plays. So, Mate, JJ, from your understanding, the positions that you are, can you guys? Explain a little yeah. bit about exactly what the situations were that Marcus was handling because right. I don't think that that is clear to the majority of the fan base and how this is going to change a whole lot moving forward, right. being that Coach Reich still calls the plays and so the majority of the offense does fall on his shoulders. Right. I mean, the, the first part of this is, you know, yes, Frank calls the plays and, and Frank is a heavy hand in designing and scheming the offense, but Marcus Brady played a big part in that as well. And I, I don't know you know, exactly, you know, exactly, exactly what Marcus Brady did in this offense. Um, you know, whether he was the red zone guy, he was the short yardage guy, he was, you know, this specific third down guy, whatever it might be, where he had a heavy hand in it, or if he was involved in everything, which I assuming he was, you know, on that part. But yeah. the the scheming of this offense, a lot of that revolves around the offensive coordinator working hand in hand with the head coach. And when you're an offense that has struggled to score points, averaging 16 points a game, and has has not executed well in those situations, uh, you know, wh- wh- whether it's in the red zone or inside your own thirty. I think the early the start of games is is the is the, kind of the, the most yeah. alarming. Well, because really. that's been a strength of this team over the years, right? Has been the Colts have been a very good first quarter team up until this year. Sure. Um, the the one stat, and and I don't know how much of this goes into Marcus Brady. I don't want to speculate on it, but when you're looking at the Colts' offense as a whole, I pulled this up today. 
The Colts, when operating their offense in their own territory, are averaging 6.1 yards per play. That's 12th in the NFL. As soon as they cross the 50 into opposing territory, they're averaging 3.6 yards per play. That's 31st in the NFL. So where you really need those yards and and the execution, the Colts have not been doing that this year. I am curious because you mentioned, of course, the departure of Nick Sirianni in 21, uh, you know, to take the head coaching role with the the Eagles. Then last year, I think people also overlooked the impact that Press Taylor had in his role as one of the offensive assistants because he was integral in Coach Reich's offensive scheme. Offensive coordinator with Jacksonville. And Coach Reich had called him one of the brightest young offensive minds in Mm -hmm. the game. So I do think Press had a a impact that a lot of people didn't recognize last season that maybe that added to then, you know, you were able to take some of the things that Nick was doing, Press took some of those things over. So now what's interesting is of the guys who you have, you know, Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, Press, or sorry, excuse me, Parks Frazier, who's in the quarterback's room as Mm -hmm. well. Scotty Montgomery, Reggie Wayne, you've got a lot of guys in there. I'm curious to see how maybe their voices are amplified in contributing to the game planning moving forward. What do you guys make of what do you make of the timing of this move? Because we, we can sit here and talk. We all know about the again, I just use the word sluggishness, you know, 16 points per game and all the turnovers and the red zone inefficiencies and over 20 points uh, just once this season. Is it is it you, you got to make a move because of that? I mean, you, you got to do something. Is is that what it boils down to? Two major moves in a week, which a move at the quarterback position from yeah. a fourteen-year veteran, you know, former MVP guy in Matt Ryan to a second-year quarterback who made his first start and had a pretty good start. Mm-hmm. Had I mean a solid start. I mean, you look at the the one you know glaring. Uh, you know, fault would the be blemish, the fumble. Yeah. The mm-hmm. that's the big thing. For the most part, though, it was a a, a solid start mm-hmm. for Sam Ellinger, given the fact that it was his first ever NFL start. He had one week going into it. It's not like he prepared the entire preseason to start the regular season, right? Although. Knowing Sam, he did prepare the entire yeah. preseason to be the starter. But you know what I'm saying? He found like, out last he, Sunday. He came Monday, in on right? he came in on Monday morning. I asked Sam that, and he yeah. was in the weight room already working out. No surprise uh, when he found out. So to have two significant moves in one week, you move from quarterback to your backup, who was the third string quarterback all of three four weeks ago, and then you also have this move. It's interesting. I, I think that it is an indication that they are trying to pinpoint exactly what is going to fix this and everybody knows what is on the line there the urgency has struck and everyone is on attention right now it's so tough to know JJ because like you said and I'm glad you you mentioned this and, and preface with it it's it's we know Marcus Brady. I mean, it's 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 foolish to say that he's not working hundreds of hours every week Seriously. working on the game plan and so coming well up with the scheme. So well liked, so well respected. Right? I mean, yeah. So from that standpoint, yeah, he's working his tail off. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, somebody just lost their job, and and that sucks. You know yes. that that really does suck a whole lot. Um, you know, Frank Reich in this offense, it you know it, it's a similar scheme, and I know there's been a carousel of quarterbacks every year here since 2018 but this offense this scheme has finished top 10 in scoring you know the last four years and so to all of a sudden think that Marcus Brady doesn't know what he's doing or just can't put it all together I think that's that's foolish so yeah I don't know how how do you compartmentalize that side of it yeah I just think it, it all comes down to when your offense is not playing up to the level that you expected it would and to the standard that it needs to be to win in the NFL you're gonna see stuff like this you're going to see moves that you didn't expect when you woke up on Monday or Tuesday, you know, like last week with the the quarterback change. But the the Colts aren't just saying, well, all right, season's over. We can't fix anything. I mean, they're trying to fix this. And unfortunately, it has meant some very difficult decisions over the last couple of weeks. That's why it goes back to, I feel like, when we started the podcast, here you have, you know, Marcus Brady's not out there playing on the offensive line. He's not out there playing defense that gave up 10 yeah. points unanswered He's with less than 5 minutes on the clock. Short like so yeah. now it this comes down to a response. You this needs you absolutely have to have a rally from the guys within that locker room to resolve these issues from this point moving forward because yeah. there're only so many things that you can do from 
that point of things, from the coaching staff, from the, that personnel type of things, to get results on the field. You know, maybe from a, a different angle on this, Larry, and J.J. said it's he's not a scapegoat because the Colts aren't making excuses, and they wouldn't do that to Marcus Brady. But message-wise, what, what message is this sending the team, the locker room, the fan base, because the Colts are – three, four, and one, Mm -hmm. it's going to be incredibly difficult to win the AFC South, right? You've already been swept by Tennessee. You lost another game last Sunday to the Commanders, Lara. Message-wise, what do you think this says to Colts fans about where they're at right now? I think the message is it's not getting done. We aren't getting the job done. Not Marcus Brady isn't getting the job done. That's not what it is, but it is we. We know this isn't getting done. We know we are not accomplishing what we set out to do. We know this is not good enough, and we are going to continue to fix and resolve the issues that we have and find solutions. No one is going to make excuses for this team, especially when expectations were so high. But you do look to some of the problems that there have been, you know, issues with the offensive line. Issues in production with the run game, of course, all these different things, you know, red zone efficiency, short yardage, protecting the football. There are a lot of things across the offense that I think I hope what this does is triggers each and every guy to look at themselves to figure out what Mm -hmm. they're going to have to do better or everybody's out. I mean, yes. then it's a complete yes. turnover, you know, three, four months from and now. And I think that's yeah. what, and, and JJ, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's what last week was about with the change at quarterback. It was saying, this is not all on Matt Ryan, but everybody across the board here through, what, seven games prior to last Sunday against Washington, it was, this has been an institutional failure on offense. It's the offensive line. It's the receivers going back to week one, dropping passes in the end zone against the Houston Texans, or a week later against Jacksonville when Pierce and Pittman are out. Nobody's stepping up. It's everybody's had a big hand in this coaches included obviously with Marcus Brady I'm sorry JJ go ahead no 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 that that's what I was going to say is that you look back even at benching Matt Ryan that wasn't just about Matt Ryan that was about everyone else and the quarterback mm-hmm. you know a lot of it falls in the quarterback yeah, certainly you, but you can't replace an entire offensive line right you can't I mean you can't replace an entire offense and while there have been some good things this offense has done you see some of the things that you're getting from Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell and Jonathan Taylor uh, you know, say for Jelani the fumble, Woods. Jelani Woods. You know, you're you're getting some good things, but you're not getting it consistently enough, and you're not getting it in situations that mm-hmm. you need to get it in in those spots where you need to execute to score points. And that it, it, this is, I think, what this sends a message to to kind of piggyback on what Larry said is that everything's on the table. Everything for this team is on the table. This season can go one of two ways. It can go to the level that the Colts believe they can play at as a team collectively. Or it can go the other direction where you're going to be looking at a season that is, you know, going to be among maybe one, you know, could potentially be among one of the worst we've seen here in Indianapolis if things don't turn around. If things don't turn around, there still is time, but time is running out. What did Ryan Kelly say after the game? Well, we can't say it on this. Blank, blanket, blank, or get off the pot. Blank or yeah, there that's where the Colts are right now yep. at three, four, and one. Well, certainly from a, a disappointment standpoint, you're exactly right in terms of it being, again, disappointing seasons, more disappointing seasons uh, in, in recent past. Lastly, before we wrap up on on Marcus Brady, J.J., you know, the Colts in terms of delegation, I know Zach Kiefer put something out earlier today, but nothing official as we sit here and tape this on Tuesday from the Colts themselves in terms of how they're going to move on an offensive coordinator for the remainder of the season. Zach reported that Frank Reich will – take over as offensive coordinator in terms of delegations of other responsibilities do you have a guess on how that that might look or shake out I'm I'm just interested to hear from Frank on Wednesday what he has to say about that because there are some guys in the staff you might say oh yeah you know they've got previous experience they've got you know the ability to do that but I want to hear from Frank you know how much of that is going to be divided up and if anyone's going to hold worth noting as well we will hear from assistant coaches Thursday as well those guys will be made available so we will get their perspective in addition to Frank's and I mean you're looking at some of the resumes Scotty Montgomery has offensive coordinator experience mm-hmm. uh so I'm, i would be interested to see so does scott milanovich, scott milanovich. Um, how much yeah. maybe maybe scotty is one CFL. of those guys scotty was also a guy who was considered for offensive coordinator jobs yep. this off season i believe it was the carolina panthers he had two interviews with carolina yes yeah. so I, I that's another thing that that just that's something that i have in my brain kind of floating around of he, he's had that experience he's kind of seeking he wants some of those responsibilities so maybe that's an opportunity for him All right, so that is the latest on Marcus Brady. 
uh, if you thought we were done with news today, uh, you were wrong. Uh, at the trade deadline today. Today was the trade deadline in the NFL. The Colts were active. They traded running back Naeem Hines to the Buffalo Bills. And the initial report on this, uh, the breaking news part of it is, uh, the Colts traded Hines to the Buffalo Bills for a conditional sixth-round pick in the upcoming draft in 2023 next April. Um, the Colts are also receiving running back Zach Moss in return. So, Naeem Hines is no longer in Indianapolis Colt, which is, um, you know, there's a lot there because we all like Naeem Hines as a guy, as a player. Uh, he was in the first year of a three-year, $18 million extension that he signed before last offseason. Uh, this season, 25 catches, 188 yards, 18 carries for 36 yards. Um, again, do-it-all player for the Colts. Uh, he was used as their rotational back, caught a lot of passes in the slot. He returned punts. JJ, what do you make of the move here? Yeah, it's uh, definitely disappointing from the sense of, you you know, we all like Naheem. We all know the kind of player Naheem can be. Um, but you mentioned the, the extension. I believe Buffalo will take on that entire extension as part of this. If you're wondering why the compensation is a sixth for Naheem Hines, a player who, again, you know, is, is a very good football player, the, you have to consider the financials here and keep that in mind when you look at the return. Also getting Zach Moss, a guy who is in the third year of his four-year rookie contract. Right. Uh, you know, he, five foot nine, 205, tough back, um, played with Julian Blackman at Utah. I'm excited to talk to Julian tomorrow about what kind of player the Colts are getting in Zach Moss because they would obviously know each other pretty well. But, um, you know, it, it's a move that I think, I understand why the Colts made it. Um, you know, Naheem Hines, for as, as good as he is and for as important as we thought he would be to this offense, um, you know, he, he's averaging two yards a carry this year. His yards per touch is down almost a full yard from where it was last year. The Colts didn't find as many ways to utilize him in the offense as I think we would have thought uh, coming into the year. But, you know, probably a really good fit for Buffalo, an offense that's top in the league right now. Um, you know, the, the, this is the kind of guy, if you have a top five offense in the league, you want to have Naheem Hines on it. The Colts thought they were going to have a top five, top ten offense. They don't, and now they don't have Naheem Hines on it as well. Yeah, he's a weapon. He was the only guy to get in the end zone in, you know, your game against Washington just last Sunday. Um, you are, in a sense, excited for Naheem to have that opportunity because of what Buffalo's offense looks like. He's going to be on a team that is a legitimate contender. It's a huge opportunity for him as a weapon. Just speaking candidly, this business is so founded in relationships. Naheem and I have, I mean, he's one of the guys in that locker room I have one of the closest relationships with. We went out to visit his family in Raleigh a couple of years ago. I text back and forth with his sister, Naya. He and I banter about track and field all the time. Yeah. This it's the hard it's a hard guy to let go just because of, of that connection and how much I value the fact that no matter how hard a game was, that game on Sunday was a devastating loss, and Naheem stood at his locker and answered yep. every single question yeah. when you know he didn't want to. He's so and, mature I mean, beyond yes. his years. I mean, we right? would. I walked up to his locker, and he was like, he was still getting dressed. He's like, "Do you guys mind giving me a minute?" He's just, he's such a, he's such a good person. He just wanted to be sure he was kind of, you know, collected himself and was all put together, and you know, not kind of half together and trying to focus on too many different things. He wanted to give all his attention yeah. to that. I'll, I'll quickly give you guys one of my favorite Naheem stories that tells you all about who he is as an individual. You guys know who he is as a person. But there was a game uh, last season where I, I tucked my stuff in a, a spot close to the stands. And it was a visiting game. So a little bit different setup. And the fans were really close to the field. And there were fans who were congregating, you know, some guys who had been imbibing, you know, as you as you do, tend to enjoy on Sunday afternoon. And, um Guys are asking for gloves and autographs and whatnot. And Naheem was one of the last guys off the field, and he was handing his gloves to some fans. And he said, "Let me grab your bag because I usually have two bags of stuff, you know, with everything I carry." And they, and I'm like, no, "No, you just played a game. I'm not letting you carry my stuff." And he goes, and he looks me down the eye and goes, "Let me carry your bag." And when we walked off the field, I was like, "Okay." So we walked off the field, and he said, "I d didn't feel comfortable with the way those guys were talking to you." And it's like just one of my favorite things is like Naheem is the guy who looked out 
for absolutely everybody else. Doesn't matter who you are. Like mm-hmm. he was a hundred percent had your back, yeah. and I just always knew that he was going to be one of those go-to guys in every sense of in every sense of the word. And excited, and I will be. I will be a fan. I will be rooting for him each and every time he steps sure. on the field now as a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, anytime you talk to him in the locker room, he gave you. you know, he was thoughtful. Gave you good answers. Gave you good reflection. Um, so there's no doubt as far as that's concerned, he's going to be missed inside this locker room. I think the Colts are going to miss him on the field. But, mm-hmm. um, J.J., anytime you know before the trade deadline you see a move like this and the Colts uh, essentially sell a player rather than buy a player, um, you know, message-wise, where do you think the Colts are going here? I talked to you about the symbolisms of Marcus Brady. What do you think the message is here to the fan base about this Naeem Hines trade? Yeah, I mean, you are getting Zach Moss back in return. You're not just selling him for a draft pick. Um, you know, I don't know what the Colts' evaluation on Zach Moss might have been in 2020. Obviously, they did a little bit of work on running backs and taking Jonathan Taylor that year. Right. Um, you know, the the message on it, it, it goes back to what we were just talking about with Marcus Brady, that when you're not playing up to your standard collectively, everything's on the table. And trading Naheem Hines and getting – an, you know, another draft pick next year and getting maybe a little bit of financial relief going forward is tough to swallow in the sense that we all like Naheem. We all, you know, love what he could do on the field and what, who he was off the field. But from a business sense, you get it. I mean, you've invested a lot of money in an yeah. offense and you've got a lot of decisions coming up when you're going to have to evaluate Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr.'s futures right. yeah. as well. So you there know, there are some tough decisions that are going to have to be made in the not-too-distant future about this offense. The Colts are not awash in cap space like they have been over the last couple years because they have extended their guys. They have paid Quentin Nelson and Shaq Leonard Leonard and Braden Smith and all these guys who are part of that just incredible 2018 draft class. And now, you know, you're going to – you, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr., like you mentioned, Larry, are going to be up, up for extensions. Yeah. Um, you know, it. The, the, this is kind of the cold-hearted reality of the business, that sometimes you have to make moves that you trade a guy you don't want to get rid of, you, you really value, but ultimately you have to do what's right for the Indianapolis Colts, and, and that's how this move is going down. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, maybe you guys can help me fill in the blanks, but some of my favorite Naeem Hines memories in terms of games, you've got – well, last Sunday he scores a touchdown, and then the two punt return touchdowns oh, versus yeah. the Panthers. That was an electric game. No doubt, runs through the tunnel, throwing deuces up. <laughs> that was absolutely epic. He had the 115 scrimmage yards, I think, against the Titans a few years back on the road. Yep, on Thursday night football. Also, coincidentally, on Thursday night football last year, he had uh, over 100 yards from scrimmage against the Jets and a 34-yard touchdown. So. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Brady, uh, Naeem Hines, those two guys, good dudes. And to not have them, you know, in the locker room or in the front office anymore, today's a tough day. And as you said, Larry, it's it's a tough day because most of this job is about relationships. You know, we sometimes we get caught in, or at least I do, get caught up in the game prep and looking at team bios and player bios, but... These these guys are dudes. They're people. And one of the things I think back to just this season, you know, the instance in Denver when he got, you know, tackled so hard yeah. that and he couldn't stand up. Mm-hmm. He was wobbled. And I thought about how scary that moment was. And, you know, it kept him out of that game. And he, was he was able was to come back. He, to Frank I know, was time. apologizing that he was like, I, I could go back in. I'm so sorry. Like, it, it, I think overall, I think back to how scary that moment was. And I'm like, he's healthy and he's able to play football. Yeah. I would love for it to be here, but hey, he's healthy and he's going to play football somewhere else. So I think that provided me a little bit of perspective this year, just in terms because he's been so durable. It was such an unusual situation to see, you know, Naheem hampered in that way and see him banged up. So that is one thing um, moving forward that you're you're excited to see what he does. All right, a lot going on today. That's the latest on Marcus Brady and Naeem Hines and the Colts trade for Zach Moss. Moss in the fold now at the running back position behind uh, Jonathan Taylor and Deion Jackson. Moss is a good player. He was drafted in the third round by the Bills back in 2020. We'll spend the rest of the week talking about him and how he fits into this offense 
Um, but that obviously took over the top part of our podcast. We normally start with uh, three and out, you know, the top takeaways from the latest game. If we can do that quickly here, I just want to talk about – we'll do this uh, in, a, in a condensed format, but I just want to talk about how that game last Sunday – against the Commanders, J.J., was literally a game of inches for the Colts on so many levels, so many plays. With Michael Pittman's, uh, Michael Pittman Jr.'s run that came up short of the goal line by inches, you had the Sam Ellinger scramble there with just over two minutes to go when his knee is down inches short of getting a first down oh, that man. probably and Mate, wins the game. He sold it. For, he sold it so well. I uh-huh. was down there. I was like, oh, he got it. Like, you asked me, like, where do you see him from the spot? I was <laughs> so overly confident because I bought into the Sam Ellinger yeah. swag. He gave the gesture, he, right? did. Yep. he did. He, like, bounced right up. He yeah. signaled first down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. I mean, he he sold the heck right. out of that. And then yep. you had the, the Terry McLaurin inches away, you know, yep. grabbing the ball away from the grasp of – uh, Stephon Gilmore for that game-changing play on the last drive of the game for the Commanders. So long story short, man, if you if you think of it that way, J.J., it's so frustrating because the Colts are right there. They're right there in all of those games, all of these games this season that have seemingly all come down to, to one-score games. I guess those couple of plays in that game on Sunday, kind of a microcosm of this Colts season. They're just four or five plays a game away from being – you know, maybe five wins, six wins on the season. It comes down to execution, and and that's where, you know, hearing from players after the game, hearing from Naheem Hines and Ryan Kelly after the game that, the, the, you know, Naheem said, and, and he's right, Naheem said, we walked the ball up and down the field in this game and came away with 16 points, and that it goes back to execution. Those You, know, you convert one of those mm-hmm. short yardage plays into a touchdown, even into a first down. And yeah, you're probably talking. We're probably talking about a Colts win right now, but it's it's something that you. It's hard to look at the rest of it and look at some of the stuff the Colts have done well without saying, "Well, you know, it, it's those couple of plays because it ke- it keeps it, it's happened quite a bit this year, right? In a lot of games, and that is the difference in this league. A lot of times, no I mean, the Tennessee Titans are a team that. Their peripheral numbers are not all that far off from the Colts, <laughs> but they execute we, really well. We in those have situations. to stop saying, and I know I'm guilty of it too, but we have to stop saying that the Titans aren't very good. They're good. They're a good team, <laughs> and you know where they're very good situationally. Yes, that, they that's are. a Mike Vrabel team. They are physical and they are good situationally. The Colts are a physical team, but they have not been to the level of yeah. good that they need to be and want to be yeah. in those in those situations. That, but that that's where sure. you know the Titans are five and two. And the Colts are three, four, and one, and the Titans effectively have a what a two and a half game lead. Yeah, at on least the Colts right now. At yeah, at least. Yeah, it's, I don't do math with the tie. The tie's hard with the uh, the outlier there. But, oh, oh, wait! Already seventeen games. I was already thrown off because we <laughs> yeah. had an odd Plus number of games. End, right? Now we have now we have a tie. Yeah, I'm all over the place yeah. on this. To yeah. drive it home, I though, was told there'd be no math. The league has had a record number of games decided by six points or less. Fifty five of them already. Eight points or less with seventy one already. And uh, yeah, we're just getting started with all the close games down to the wire. All right, let's double back. Sam Ellinger. Lara, what did you take away from his first start? What did he have to say positive-wise after the game in the locker room that gives you hope and optimism the rest of the season here? The moment wasn't too big for him. He he wasn't blindsided. He showed no panic whatsoever. When you're facing a defensive front that was in hot pursuit, I mean, there were a couple of times when he looked dead in the water in some situations, and he proved that elusiveness, the poise that you wanted to see. There was a particular scramble. I, I'm trying to think right off the top of my head, and he almost hit, was it Pitt, that he just barely missed? I mean, kept mm. a play alive for seconds, and guys are scrambling around trying to get open. And just for him to keep that play alive find a man who and just slipped I mean just past Michael Pittman Jr. from Mm -hmm. what I recall that's those were a couple of the things we can go through the numbers and you can I mean you can digest all of it still it's a loss in your debut that just sucks right like you think about how how much that locker room wanted that win for Sam Mm -hmm. they really did that's what guys said afterward they they were and that is 
part of the influence and the impact that Sam has, and I, I mean, I think they felt the same way about Matt Ryan too. That's it's no different quarterback to quarterback. But you know, when a guy is making his first NFL start, you wanted to feel that they were rallying behind him to some degree. But there were some good things out of it. Um, you know, for the most part, his his accuracy was good. I yes. think he did throw some really impressive. Uh, balls that you saw um, but I think overall it was the moment's not too big for him he has an immense confidence going in uh, you do see things you can build an offense around from Sam Ellinger I think there were a lot of positive things now what I'm interested to see is with having a game under his belt with having more time to scheme and to plan now what are other things you pull out of your toolbox that you could integrate into this offense moving forward because we did see them we saw them get a, a little bit more creative out there with the versatility that you had with Sam Ellinger that I thought that was something too that I, I am intrigued by moving forward I thought just to kind of go off of the, the moment wasn't too big for him you didn't see a lot of the operational errors that might come with a young guy starting his first NFL game. And, and the fumble was just a great hit. Was, I mean, it was it just was, a, it was a great hit. It, it, it was uh, like completely random. That yeah, fumble. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was a good play. Yeah, but, but the uh, the 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 thing with Sam was, you know, sometimes you'll see these rookies get out there and they don't have good pocket presence. They're they're not getting the team into the right checks or looks. Um, you know, they're not killing plays when they need to. They're not. You know, you're seeing guys in the wrong place, lining up in the wrong place. All that was very tight for the Colts. And that, I mean, it's not what, it's not unexpected because we know Sam, we know how he operates, we know how prepared he was going to be. But just, it's different when you're playing against a defense that's not holding anything back, like Washington was. They, they're sending blitz packages and, front, and putting yeah. fronts out there. Washington you know, ain't the University of Oklahoma. You well, know? they're, they're it's, not, it's they're not, not you know, uh, that the you're... Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the preseason. Right, you know the, mm-hmm. the the way that they were disguising some of their coverages and right. doing those different things, Sam handled that all really well, and that's kind of the starting point for me. That okay, he looked like a functional NFL quarterback baseline, and then you layer on top of that the forty-seven yarder to Alec Pierce, where he just rifled that thing downfield. Mm-hmm. He had a, con- a completion on third and eight early in the the third quarter, where he, great timing. He threw a strike to Alec Pierce in a spot only Alec could make that catch. Picked up the first down. Really impressive throw. The, some of the one stuff of the Lara, best throws of the day may have been the one that Pitt dropped. Yeah, right. Where he he bought oh some time. Oh my gosh, he, that he may have been the throw of the day. That was a seed. You're yes. exactly yep. right. Great throw. Oh, that is yep. a, that is a great point. That that was a very impressive throw in that situation too. Your yes. number one receiver got to make critical that play. situation. But the throw itself was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh and yeah. The dude didn't throw a pick either. Like he had yep. the fumble, no interceptions and though. That's a big thing the, for me. There is maybe one throw in there that was a little bit risky. I think it was early where a linebacker batted it down, but nothing that you were like. You know, you, one of those like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, it, you didn't have any of those. <laughs> and and if, if you're the number one, if you are the guy, if you're going to be the number one receiver, that's a situation you make that catch. You make that catch. It's critical situation, opportunity to win a game. Yeah, that you was catch surprising. That ball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Rick and I are in the booth calling that play. I mean, I've got that. I've got that down as a completion you know, of twenty yards to the forty-five yard line. You know, yards after catch because in my Pitt's head. Because Pitt's so physical too. Sure. I mean, he's great at yards after catch, right? right? You think right. he's going to fight after he's got the ball in his hands? He's got ten more yeah. in front of him and at least. Get, I think he gets to at least to the fifty-yard line, gets out of bounds, or if worst-case scenario, gets tackled inbounds. You call a timeout. You had one timeout left there. And then at that point, you only need about 10 more yards to get into the career-long range of Chase McLaughlin. The way, the way Chase McLaughlin's been kicking, right. 13 to 14 field goals, you feel pretty good it's about an end-of-game attempt there. No doubt about it. How do you think, Larry, how do you think he translates on the road? You know, one of the more hostile places to play, obviously Gillette Stadium. I think the, the Patriots since 2002, not to get all weird on you, but since 2002, yeah. the Patriots have the highest winning percentage at home. Um, at Gillette Stadium, the Colts are looking for their first road win against the Patriots since 2006. We already talked about going up against Bill Belichick. 2006 season was a good one. That was it a good was. team. Pretty yeah, good it was, team. It was yeah. fruitful. Yeah. Um, how do you think that translates well, to a difficult place to oh, play? I, now, I have to just believe everything that you say because it is my maiden voyage to Foxborough. I've never been to Gillette Stadium. I've never experienced this. It's not so, fun. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's well, well uh, logistically, it's not fun because it's it, it would be like if Lucas Oil Stadium was in Greensburg. W- yeah, the, you travel into Providence, right? You'll go into Providence and then to Foxborough. I've never been to Rhode Island. Is I'm my excited. is my understanding? Yeah, so, you, so. Yeah. the Colts choose to stay in Providence. 
I, I think Foxborough, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since we've been there. It's it's a suburb of Boston. Eighteen was last I time, mean, right? Suburb suburb is being generous. Yeah, like, it'd be it's like going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You know, like you're in all in all these little small neighborhoods. And oh, then you turn interesting. The corner, okay, and it, it just like it's and there, there it, it emerges. Yeah. yeah, I mean literally Rainbow like field. Yeah, like a thing. half yeah. acre away from the stadium is like farms. And I didn't mean to deflect your question, but I'm just no, being no. upfront because I I haven't firsthand yeah. experienced the environment. It's, so it's I, hard I'm to get in somewhat, and out of there. I'm somewhat speaking ignorantly just in the sense that I mean obviously I, I feel like I have a, a good working knowledge of the NFL so I have an understanding of right. what it is and the hostility of the environment and the magnitude of of playing there but I, I I just think going back to it none of this to this point has been too big for Sam I don't expect this to be the time that is this is too tough back-to-back volatile environments that you are going into when you mm-hmm. talk about playing the Patriots in New England and then playing the Raiders in Las Vegas those this is these are two um I mean just absolutely massive games in terms of road environment dynamic to be tested in not just for Sam Ellinger but also for the rest of this offense uh, I, yeah. I I think I think it'll be good for Sam I think he will he seems to thrive in situations that most people would wilt within. So that is what I am taking away. I think Sam will embrace this. He'll accept it. He'll 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 love it. You almost feel like there's Sam is like the, the I mean just the the most genuine, great all around guy. But there's like a little nastiness to him where he's like, I'm okay if you hate me. I'm all right with being booed. Right. I'll feed off of it. Like Got that chip on the shoulder. He does. Yeah. He does have that chip on his shoulder. So I'm excited to to see what he does and sure. what he's able to do, yeah. provided the opportunity and you know, provided how the guys rise up around yeah, I him. I mean, this guy's played in in big time bowl games. He's played in the Red River Red River rivalry uh, in front of charged up crowds. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any situation on the road that is going to phase Sam Ellinger facing a Bill Belichick defense that is maybe a different story because Bill Belichick is one of the best if not the best defensive mind best head coach we've seen in NFL history he he always presents a challenge to young quarterbacks that is always something he will do however young quarterbacks who can run have had a little bit more success against Bill Belichick we saw Justin Fields light up the Patriots I saw Mitch Trubisky in 2018. Patriots came into town. Mitch ran for like 100 yards in that game. Bears scored 31 points, almost beat the Patriots right. uh, in 2018. It's all about getting rushed down. Although, although this them. is the first time you're going into Foxborough since 18, you did just face the Patriots and beat the Patriots yep. last season with two pretty similar teams. Obviously, Colts have a new defense and different things like that. But Mac Jones was playing at an incredibly high level when you faced the Patriots last year. You were successful against him. You put up... You put up points on their defense. There are yeah. some things that I think you can draw from from that success Mac, just last season. Mac Jones, by the way, uh, this shocked me when I looked it up. He has three touchdowns to seven interceptions this year. Oof. Yeah. Oof good, is right. Good completion percentage, though. But, yeah, yeah, not taking care of the football. Got hurt, got banged up. So Bailey Zappi jumps in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. What a, Ho- what a to, year it's been in New England Shaq, already, Shaq too. Leonard picked off Mac Jones last year. Hope to see Shaq continue to kind of increase his yeah. snap share in this game. Got an interception. Hey, on uh, on Sunday against the Commanders too. So hope to see that continue. Well, the the Marcus Brady news sort of. Uh, I, I put this good, elaborate, thoughtful rundown together. Obviously, you always do. The Marcus Brady news uh, sort of blew that up. And I was excited for the bit that I had with Forks in the Road. Did you guys take a look at that? I, I know. Did. I, yeah. I did. Can we do it? Do you go through it quick? You wanna... I don't. You want still? You still want to do it? Does it still make sense to do it? You guys are going to make fun of me, aren't you? No. You're going to make fun of me on this no, one. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I was kind of proud of this one, but yes. also embarrassed at the same point or same time. I, I just want to talk about the changes on offense. Let's just do that one because okay. I, I think yeah. we'll, we'll just get the gist of it, then move on. But I want to talk about the changes on offense or if there's going to be changes on offense in terms of execution. We talk about all the sluggishness again, and but we did see some uh, spark with Sam Ellinger there in terms of the end arounds and bubble screens and jet sweeps and things like that because Colts had four plays over 25 and seven plays over 15. So the Colts are kind of at a fork in the road mm-hmm. through nine games or mm-hmm. through eight games going into the ninth game. Three, four, and one, new quarterback, maybe a change in, in creativity a little bit. I said the Colts at the fork in the road. They could either take same old, same old Boulevard, J.J., or... 
finally take care of the ball avenue with all the turnovers? Which Wait, which road do they take? I like, also like this. So it's it's same old, same old. The S and the O are capitalized. So it looks like so so Boulevard. So it's like it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. Well, I, I, there's a good little acronym in there. Goes, so same old, same old Boulevard or finally take care of the ball no, avenue. See, there's I, the road. I misread it, Mate, as same old, same OL Boulevard. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot I the D. Yeah. My bad. Um, yeah, typo. But yeah, I see same old line. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense with the fumbles. But yeah, uh, I I mean, we were talking about this on Colts Roundtable Live, Matt, uh, with Rick Venturi on Monday, and you know, there are things you can emphasize in practice, but you can only do it so much. Of just be like, just just you got to take care of the football. You know, you can you can work on ball security drills, but. Some of these fumbles are have just been almost random. I mean, like Jonathan Taylor, that first one he had against Tennessee, he, he sprained his ankle on the play. Uh, I can't imagine holding on to a football when your ankle is in searing pain, like what happens when you sprain it, you know, stuff like that. And and Sam, that one, the fumble he had, just like a weird play where he was trying to escape the pocket and the ball just kind of came out as he tried to start running with it. Just one of those things that's like, I don't even know how you correct that as a head coach other than to be like, hey, don't, you know, don't do that again. Um, I think it'll go more toward finally take care of the ball avenue with the fumbles. And they just paved it, too. It's well, beautiful. Hey, it's great, yeah. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. Just because this, it, this – It's freshly striped. It's tree-lined. <laughs> it's well lit. This feels like one of those things where it's going to be There's kind no of roundabouts a, to yeah. mess you hey, up. Hey, roundabouts are great. Uh, it feels like one of those things where this is just going to be a regression to the Only mean thing worse than a roundabout is a Michigan left. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, we can't even, that's another podcast entirely. I'm I'm definitively going finally take care of the ball <laughs> avenue. And I'm oh, going man. back to some things that I talked to Stefan Gilmore about. I mean, opposite side of the ball. But one of the things, speaking of a guy who knows about playing in Foxborough, knows about the environment of Gillette Stadium, he told me in a conversation a few weeks back that there are some things that you just have to figure out and endure over the course of this season where you just have to have some inevitable struggles before you get to the point as a team of being the team you're going to be. And my thinking is that this team has endured plenty of those struggles already. Now's the time to prove that resilience and prove some growth off of it. And I think this is the prime opportunity to, to do that. I love it. Forks in the road right there. I had good stuff on slow starts and trade deadline and maybe a couple of Sluggish start avenue or put it together early lane. I had sluggish start drive or put it together early lane. Which road did they take? Fork (laughs) in the road. I had stuff about the offense, too. It's funny. Uh, What's the poem? What's the... Oh, the Robert Frost Robert Frost. Yes. Yes. My mom's going to be so proud of me that I brought that up. is the modern day Robert Frost. I am. You guys are good sports. Walking me through that. There's inspiration for next week. That's right. Yeah. The creative brain will see if he can do it again. All right, JJ, Twitter time Colts yeah. mailbag what do you okay. got so we talked about Sam Ellinger earlier in the pod and this has been kind of a pretty heavy pod just in terms of football stuff it, it hasn't been a great week around here in Indianapolis so let's have a discussion from our old pal Nick Merlina who asks how many Skittles would you need to fill up a Boeing 747 oh this is a random I'm gonna question. say one trillion oh oh geez Louise so, so like just like a big plane then? Yeah. yeah. And hold on. Is this is I need to know though. Is this like Holy a crap. is this like a passenger plane or is this a like is this a hauling freight type of plane? Okay. Like, so are there well, first seats? of all, do do we are have an seats? answer? Or? Are there seats on it? And do I have to fill? Is this just the cabin or is this the luggage compartment like underneath okay. and above so, as well? Like I uh, have a lot of questions. The, on Bo- the Boeing seven forty seven can carry one hundred and thirty nine tons in the main cargo deck. So, Do we actually know what the answer is? I don't know. So I could just throw out anything. You could throw out whatever you want at this. I said a trillion. A trillion. Hmm. Um, Nick Merlina, get I'm a job, go, I'm going to go <laughs> 340 million Skittles. It's got to be at least a billion. I don't know. Yeah. One B. By the way, speaking of I'm Skittles. I'm taking the over. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, I, I have taken a stance, an anti-Skittles stance. Since they changed the green from lime to green apple. 
can't do it anymore. Didn't know that happened. Oh, it's it's an absolutely egregious decision when on the part occur? of Skittles. Mr. Skittle is in my doghouse right now. When did this happen? It's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. The I green couldn't apple. tell you the last time I had green a apple, No, green apple are awful. Lime was the way to go. So, yeah. This is one of the greater disappointments of my adult life, let me tell you. You know what I've worn myself out on because of Molly, my five-year-old? She loves candy. I've worn myself out on red Starbursts. To me, they, yeah. t- they taste awful now. Because I've oh, had so many, because you know she what? always I, I, has them. Ticketing over here across the building, they've got like just wads of candy everywhere, and I had like nine of the pink Starburst today. So good. <laughs> so, so yesterday good. we're trick or treating, and I found out that my son Charlie, one of my two twins, doesn't like Reese's peanut butter cups, but glad loves you, Twizzlers. Glad you, glad you clarified that there are two twins. By well, the way. that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> one uh, of my loves, two twins loves Twizzlers. <laughs> that's like that's like as opposed to one that's of like my saying three it, twins. That's like saying an uh, NFL football game. It's very redundant. <laughs> yeah. um, loves Twizzlers, hates Reese's cups. What are you uh, doing wrong? As a I parent? don't know. Jay, I was really wow. concerned. Wow. Really concerned. I also think that sometimes kids just like things based on the color. Like, you know, like sometimes like you'll ask a kid for what flavor popsicle do you want? And then they're like red or purple. It's like it's not cherry or grape. Like, I think sometimes they're just drawn to the color. So I think there's there's hope for young. Not a big big chocolate guy. There's hope for young Charles. It was good news for me, though, because I just ate a bunch of Reese's cups. You got all the Reese's. Leftovers, baby. That was a very random Twitter mailbag, but I like it. Kind of light, hey. lighthearted. Yeah, we need, we need to lighten up a little bit. Always here. great to hear from Nick Merlino. No oh, always. All right, the random thought of the week, always light, always random. Um, we had Chipotle the other day for lunch around here. Uh, the fine folks with the Colts fed us, and uh, we got to judge the Halloween um, costume contest. So it got me thinking, Chipotle, fast food? Yes. Yes. I would agree. Yeah. Some, some oh, say no, though. Unanimous? Unanimous. Are, uh, that's that, the first that ever. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to audible here. I have also a random thought of the week okay. as well. Ooh, I don't, all right. I don't want to steal, though. That's like Mayte's random thought of the week. I don't know what we would there's call all, mine. There's, there's, there's <laughs> multiple a week. Yeah. But uh, so it's November 1st. Is it too early for Christmas no. music and Christmas decor? Yes. No. I say yes. It is absolutely too yes. early. You have to go to Thanksgiving. Yes. Do not, yes. do not bulldoze Thanksgiving with your Mariah Carey bull. I have no time for it. Yes. Like, no, don't start hanging the garland. Don't bust out your poinsettias. Oh. None of that. No. Observe Thanksgiving. Give Thanksgiving. It is but due. It's... Respect the pilgrims, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and save. 1492, GD. Save uh, <laughs> save all of that, you know, Mariah Carey garbage, rocking around the Christmas tree stuff for November but 29th it, or It's whatever. not just that, though. It's everything. Like, you can't even go buy a lawnmower or a grill in the month of August. Yeah. Because e- everything is, is fall. It's Halloween in August. Yeah. Right? Everything's absolutely. sped up two and a half months prior than w- when it should be right. out or Here, celebrated. Here's yeah. my here's my take. It's going to be warm this weekend. It's going to be in the 70s. Yes. Beautiful weather. Yes. Great time to put up your lights. Because you know what's the worst? You is can put bring in Christmas lights when wait, it's 30 degrees on. out. Hold on. You Awful. Can, you can put, uh, newsflash yeah. for you, you can put them up and not turn them on. Yes. Yeah, They exactly. can live there. They can live there. They can yeah. be there. Right. It's still, you know, uh-huh. uh, observe Thanksgiving. <laughs> I like that word, we observe. Are, we, in our household, observe. we are putting up all of our Christmas I, decor I will go, hands November. down, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the entire year. It trumps really? Christmas in my book. Is Absolutely. that right? Why 100%. is that? Um, because you're not under no obligation for like no gifts pressure. and do everything. It's so much just about being together and gathering and spending time. There you go. And it's not about what you got or what you got to give. How or, much you spent. Yes. Or, you know, a, appearing at the, you know, festival of lights and you feel like you got to take pictures outside of this and you got to visit <laughs> Santa and you got well, some like people, Some people do enjoy things. that though. Right, right, right. But I just feel like that there are kind of a lot of, a lot of feel like boxes you have to check come Christmas time. Time, whereas yes. Thanksgiving time just seems more about showing up. I, yeah, okay. food. I think this is interesting because on a previous pod you said you hate fall, but you love Thanksgiving. I like Thanksgiving as a holiday. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Thanksgiving to me is is still a fall holiday. So is it, it, is, is it make it a fall holiday? Yeah, but it still well, falls. But if you hate, but like Thanksgiving fall, happens in warm weather. Still, like I mean, eh. it's not like Thanksgiving's canceled if it's sixty five. Yeah. Which it has been here on, on Thanksgiving. Right, it's also yeah. snowed on Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. I, just, yeah, see, I, I consider Thanksgiving still a fall holiday. 
Yeah, I just don't like fall weather. Like I don't. No. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she's debating that. I think she would like Thanksgiving if if it fell in April, right? Sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. All I right. just it's it's a great time, like especially in my family. So I have a, a blended family. Like not to get too much into the the dynamic, blended. but right, blended family. So we just get you get Thursday through the weekend. Like we take the, all of it. So like Love we spend it. time with my husband's family. Then we go down good old New Albany. We get time with like my dad's side of the family, and then my mom and my stepdad's side of the family. We do a whole thing together. So like I end up getting to see everyone whereas Christmas is a little bit more divided up I don't see my cousins on Christmas we don't see you know Dan's cousins and extended family on Christmas because everyone's really more into their just immediate side of the family right because you have yeah, like that's true. two days yeah. for that you get Christmas Eve Christmas Day Thanksgiving you at least get Thursday Friday Saturday in yeah. our case we'll even get yeah. into Sunday because we don't play until a little Monday night football uh, that's the best I am part, going yeah. to be out of my gourd on Friday on Black Friday 2 p.m. USA versus England in the World Cup nobody talked to me I hope my kids sleep until 4.30 in their nap. They can. I Nobody talked to me from 2 until 4.30 on Black Friday. Oh, I I'm didn't going to be losing my mind. Wow. That's awesome. I yeah. didn't know that was happening. I'm well, not a big soccer you know. guy. Hmm. That's great. World Cup starts in 20 days That's for the USA. See, I, all I asked you guys was- Is Freddie was, Adu still playing? Oh. That's like how- that's uh, like, Actually, probably, because he was like 14 <laughs> yeah, when he debuted like, 20 years that's, ago. That's uh, how dormant my <laughs> soccer knowledge is. All I asked you was, is Chipotle fast food? And now this is where we have gone. And we're talking USA, But you know what? I, I feel like we learn about each other on <laughs> Mayte's yeah. random thought of That's the week. That's also what we you educate. do when you gather at Thanksgiving because you're more about spending time with people we than do. just we opening gather. your gifts, you know? Fantastic. JJ, what do you got going on this week? Colts.com, what are you writing about? Well, we'll besides uh, besides uh, coaching changes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what kind of the week goes, you know, how the week goes. But um, I do want to kind of get just get into some stuff on Paris Campbell. Because mm-hmm. he's been good, and it's been such a cool thing to see Paris really start to realize the kind of player he can be in the NFL. Career he, high games this year, yeah, knock but, on wood. And, and just the the fact that yeah, the consistency, can, the is consistency, he can be a possession guy who can give you those tough yards over the middle, or he can be the explosive guy who can gash you downfield with the ball in his hands. Um, Big fan of what he's doing this year and want to give him a little bit of love this week. Yeah. Lara, 360. Colts uh, 360. Yeah, really quickly before we get into Colts 360, I just have to say I am so just heartbroken, gut wrenched over Tyquan Lewis yeah. and his season ending injury for a second consecutive year. Just thinking of him and his recovery, he's the most resilient, positive guy. So thinking of him as he goes through, you know, another rehab off season. But on Colts 360, sticking with the same position group. We have Big Grove in studio. Yes. You will not want to miss Big Grover. Stewart goes into Eat all the chicken. things. Eat we are that burger. We How? are talking about uh, Grove's can't. dancing. We are yes. talking about this defense. We are talking about the recognition that he is finally getting over that under, he has so long deserved. Over under three and a half Grove laughs in the interview. Oh, oh, way over. Yes. Way over. Yes. Are you kidding me? You have me and Grover in the studio. It's like the two silliest people ever who will laugh at absolutely anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's... There's probably no words in that interview, to be honest with you. I like, just can't even make it out. Laughs. It's great. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just laughing at I you guys laughing. That. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch that, yeah. too. That's four and a half minutes of TV gold right there. <laughs> guys, well done. Plenty of audio uh, this week. Uh, Colts Roundtable Live from last night. Colts Daily Updates. Inside Football with Rick Venturi. His thoughts on the coaching changes, uh, his blueprints to beat the Patriots. Know your foe later this week. Tom Curran covers the Pats from NBC Sports in Boston. And then Friday, Colts Happy Hour with JMV. Sunday night's instant reaction on the Patriots game with JJ and Bill Brooks. Guys, well done. Have a great week, all right? Hey, Appreciate you your too, time. Mate, hey. Yeah, you too. Thanks. You guys are the best. We got to run. JJ Stangovitz, Lair Overton. I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening to the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. We'll talk to you later this week and next week here on the official Colts podcast as the Colts get ready for the Raiders in week number 10. Until then, have a great week. Stick it here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.